When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Backing down a lefty hook, breaks it in! With your host, Elliot Anderson, stuffed it down behind his head. Seku Smith, the tipping is good at the buzzer. Now it's time for the tip. The musical stylings of my main man, Clint Hawkins, are master of controls. Welcome to the Hangtime Podcast. Seku Smith from the Hangtime blog at NBA.com. Back in the booth, once again, Summer League wrapped up, free agency almost done, basically all of the pieces moved around on the chessboard. Got Micah Hart, our super producer, behind the glass, Tori the intern Roman in there, doing her business. But we're going to bring you quite a bit of information today on the show, uh, specifically about the Washington Wizards rookie sensation, John Wall, Michael Lee from the Washington Post will be joining us, little Summer League wrap-up. A little look ahead to what might be in store for the Wizards this season. And also we're going to have Art Garcia of NBA.com joining us to uh, talk other rookies. Mainly DeMarcus Cousins is the guy we're going to dissect a little bit as if he hasn't been talked about enough already. Mike, have you have you tired yet of discussing DeMarcus Cousins, Boogie Cousins as he's known? I really haven't because as I've said a couple times when we've talked, I really I don't think he's going to be this problem child that and if anything, like I said, if he is a problem child, it's because people keep bothering him about it. <laughs> I, I, you know, the guy can play, and I'm not surprised to see it's summer league, but I'm not surprised to see him dominating. Yeah, I mean, he, he dominated early. Uh, and, and then those last three games, some of those fears that I think people had about him kind of reared their ugly head. And, and we'll get with Art Garcia about that. Um, but I'm sad, man. I, it's, this is a bittersweet podcast for me because summer league's over. That means we got to wait, what, two months? For an actual game, I mean, T- Team USA is kicking off this week, which is great. Um, you know, but they're going to do a lot of practicing, a lot of pretty boy scrimmaging. You know, we're not going to see anybody show up, you know, with playing for his livelihood. And that's the thing I always liked about Summer League is that you had guys out there basically who they'd run through a brick wall for, for a roster spot or an invite to training camp. And that's what makes Summer League intriguing to me. In addition to the all the, the fancy rookies you see out there and the guys, you know, who are – high draft picks showing off and, and getting their first real spotlight, you know, on an NBA level. Um, I like I like seeing Corsley Edwards and some of these guys. You had Leo Lyons, you know, who played overseas last year. These guys who have been out of the, the consciousness maybe for a year or two or three or more. And uh, you see him in summer league and you ask yourself, man, why is this guy not on an NBA roster when you watch him go for 20 points in like 18 minutes like Leo Lyons did the other day for the New York Knicks summer league team? So it's – it's it's with uh, 
a heavy heart that we, we come on today because basketball's over. I mean, unless we want to go to the Rucker and hang out with Ron Artest, who, uh, who's reportedly, you know, pulling up in an SUV on the side of the court and changing right there on the spot and, and playing a, a full, you know, a blacktop game in New York City, which is always what you get from Ron Artest. I think that's fabulous. Um, I'm excited to see what Ron is up to this next we, year. You we know, need to get a camera on him, now. Micah. Let's get a hang time camera on Ron Artest, do our own reality show this summer. You know, I don't know what we'd call it. Hanging with Ron, Ron, uh, you know, the life and times of Queensbridge's finest. I don't know. Come up with a title, Clint. You I'd know, like to see some if theme he would music let us or something. As part of that reality show and his meetings with his therapist. I don't want to listen. I'm I'm already got enough problems in my life. I don't need to see anybody else's therapist. Well, I don't have one yet, but I mean, I don't need to see anybody's therapist. Um, you know, I, I, I'm gonna let Ron enjoy that part of his life. I just, I'm just curious to see what this guy's up to in New York city on a hundred degree summer day showing up and playing in a, in a pickup basketball game. That to me is impressive. Guy just won a ring, you know, and he's doing this. So, um, but listen, without further ado, let's, let's dive into our guests here today on the hang time podcast. Let's, let's talk basketball with, with the guys who have been right there on the ground, watching it up close and personal in Las Vegas the last few weeks. Joining us now on the podcast, Michael Lee, former Atlanta Hawks beat writer for the Atlanta journal constitution. And now tearing it up, in a major way for the Washington Post, covering the Wizards, John Wall, Summer League, JaVale McGee, my favorite Summer League superstar, Gilbert Arenas, the whole affair. Mike, how you doing, man? Oh, you know, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I feel like I never left Vegas, though, because it's so hot in D.C. right now. <laughs> you know, well, it's like it's like that in the dead of summer, man, you know. But I'm curious, as I know a lot of people are, you know, so much has been – made about John Wall's performance out in Vegas in Summer League, most outstanding player, uh, led everybody in scoring and assists out there. Are, are we getting too giddy about this this rookie? Like, are we putting too much on him right now? No, no. Um, you know, and I, I think that, you know, you don't want to get too excited about Summer League because I remember going to Summer League and seeing Nicolas Skidisvili make the all-tournament team. <laughs> and I'm sure most people never even heard of Nicolas Skidisvili, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> You don't want to get too over overwhelmed by summer league, but there were certain things that you could see that were obvious. That it doesn't matter where you're playing rec league ball, whether you're playing summer league ball or on any level. Um, this kid has some certain qualities that you love to have in a point guard and your leader, and it's somebody that you invest in your future in. I mean, he's he came in right away and took total command of the basketball court. I mean, he's somebody who. You could see that guys were looking at him. He's 19 years old, youngest guy on the floor, had the least amount of experiences about everybody out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but guys were looking at him to tell him where to be, to tell him where to go. And he had that, that gear when he knew that his teammates needed him to either make a shot, get to the foul line, or set them up. And I, I've, I've, I've been watching the league for a while, and I've yet to see anybody as excited to get his, an assist as he was last week. I mean, he's – tossing the ball to guys in the corner, immediately throwing his hand in the air, you know, shouting, you know, for the ball to drop through so he can get his assist. And, you know, I, I haven't played on a high level. I played on, like, real low-level high school basketball. But I know when I got a teammate that has confidence in me, I, I raise my game because I want to make sure I don't let him down. And that's kind of what happened with the Wizards last week. He raised the confidence of his teammates. They didn't want to let them da- they didn't wanna let him down. And those are things that, you know, you just can't really – you can't, you you can't, you know, diminish based on the the quality of the opponents. Right. Do you, Mike? Do you think that 
you can take this performance in summer league and translate it to a leadership role or perspective for him come training camp when the vets show up and, and he's not the star attraction by himself. And, you know, Gilbert Arenas obviously is coming back and is going to command a lot of attention on that Wizards team. Do you think it's it's feasible to see these two guys share not only the load on the court but the spotlight off of it? Well, the one thing about leadership and one thing that I'm sure you know from your time covering the league is that that's something that either you have or you don't. And it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter you know, your level of experience. It's just a person, a certain characteristic, a certain personality trait. You know, um, Gilbert, when he was, when this team was really in his hands, he was always the best player. He was unquestioned most talented player on the Wizards, you know, um, the previous six years or so. Mm-hmm. But he was not the leader of the team, and the team really kind of lacked overall leadership. It was a role that Gilbert never really wanted. And then when he was given a captain's role last year, I think everyone knows how that turned out. It didn't go too well. But uh, right. I think when it comes to those two guys playing together, I've, I've been asked this a lot, um, I think that if, you know, you just go strictly off basketball, mm-hmm. just totally off basketball, I think that it could work primarily because I think a lot of people forget that Gilbert was a shooting guard in college. Right. Um, he was a shooting guard pretty much his entire career until he came to the NBA when they said, yo, you have to be a point guard. And when he was with the Wizards his first two years, he shared the backcourt with Larry Hughes, another person who dominated the ball. And Larry actually led the team in assists those two seasons right. that they played together. So if, you have, if you're saying, can someone else handle the ball and, and handle the, you know, run the show with Gilbert on the floor, I think, yes, it's possible that Gilbert can allow that. But the one thing that, that's always a concern for me is his ego and how – his, you know, his confidence and abilities will allow someone 19 to come in and say, take his spot. But it's already been given to John Wall. That's the one thing that uh, right now Gilbert doesn't have the juice that he once had. He he, he exhausted a lot of his good favor, you know, last year um, with that gun incident, and now the team is really moving in another direction. So it's up to Gilbert to really say, I'm on board. Um, I'm going to go along with this. Otherwise, um, you know, they may have to look really hard to moving him right. um, because you don't want to have a lot of negativity right away with a young guy like John Wall. The Wizards, they were given a mulligan. They, they had two bad years in a row, but they were given the number one pick. They now realize they have a truly special player right now in John Wall. Um, you really want to make sure that when you're starting this rebuilding process, you're headed in a new direction, that you eliminate the negativity, not even just for the franchise but also for Gilbert mm-hmm. because if things are going in a good you know, good path. You know, it's going to be a rough patch. You know, they're not going to come out right away and be a good team. They're going to have their struggles. But if you want to move into a, a new direction, you don't want to have people out constantly asking Gilbert questions about the past. Right. And inevitably, any past question is not going to be about positive things. It's going to be about the knee. It's going to be about the gun. It's going to be about everything that's kind of built up to this point where the two sides were not seeing eye to eye um, for, you know, for a couple of months this year. And that, that kind of negative you know, energy, I mean, it's just something you can't overcome, um, I think, long-term. If you look at the Indiana Pacers with Jermaine O'Neal and the brawl and mm-hmm. Ron Artest, you know, they tried to make it work. You know, the, 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 these incidents aren't the same, but in terms of the negativity that, that, it, that, it, that it fostered, you know, you don't really want to have that negativity. Even if you try to make it work, it doesn't. Right. You know, for those guys or for anyone else, and you see Ron Artest got a fresh start, he got a championship somewhere else. Um, the Pacers are still struggling, 
but you know the Wizards are in a different situation. They actually have a building block and someone they get excited about. Yeah, Mike, there's such a interesting dynamic in the DC sports landscape right now when you consider Steven Strasburg is in town now. Um, a total shift with the Redskins, obviously, with Donovan McNabb coming down and playing quarterback for them. How do the Wizards elbow some room for themselves in terms of the, the D.C. sports attention span? Like, where do they fit? And where will John Wall and, and, and Gilbert and, these, and this Wizards team fit in October? If, uh, you know, when, when a little bit of everything is going on. Really, I guess even sooner than that in, in uh, you know, late, late September even. Well, the one thing they, they, they're never going to do is compete with the Redskins. That's, that's impossible. It's right. not, they're never going to be number one in the town, so they might as well eliminate trying to be number one. I mean, <laughs> I know you talk about the Washington Capitals. You left out the Washington Capitals so, yes, uh, with Alex Ovechkin, and they have, that's a former number one pick too. Um, but I think that D.C., I mean, I think at its core is really a basketball town. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at historically how D.C. has supported, you know, Georgetown and you know, a lot of uh, programs in Maryland, you know, in this area, mm-hmm. when there's good basketball, people get behind it and people get excited about it. Um, the last two years, the team has just been putrid. But, I mean, if you have an attraction right now in John Wall, if you have a young team that can, you know, put some points on the board and, and you know, really have an exciting style of play, I think you can really get people back on board. As long as the style of play is exciting, as long as the talent there is moving in a positive direction, I think in the past couple of years, they, the team was just billed as a veteran team that's going to, you know, maybe get to the second round, and maybe that's what they'll do. And they never got that far. But mm-hmm. that's, that was the hope that they were selling. Right now, you don't know where John Wall could take this franchise, but there's a possibility it could take him a lot of places. So I think if you want to get on the ground floor and really see his development, the franchise develop with him, then I think that D.C. could definitely get on board. I think that, I mean, if you look at John Wall, the minute the Wizards won the number one overall pick, the very next day, they, they they sold 400 season tickets, right. which is incredible. Um, you know, uh, for that that level of excitement that that quickly. So he's already generating buzz. He's got you know really good personality. He's got the little dance going. He's got <laughs> and and, he, and he's a showman. He knows when to turn it on, and that's that's the one thing that that really impressed me about him. Is like off the court. He's just so laid back. He's right. mellow. He's like you want to wake him up, you know. <laughs> but once once those lights come on, once you know, he's on that stage. He's like, okay, it's time to go. Right. So, I mean, he still has a lot of things to work on. He still has a lot to learn about the game, about his shot. He ha- he never got a chance to, like, guard anybody like a Chris Paul or anybody, right. you know, of, of any stature. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, a lot of those guys, Derrick Rose and Tyreek Evans and those guys are probably going to be wanting to go right at him right away. So he's going to take his lumps early on. But I think he has a competitive fire in him that, that he's going to really want to come right back. Yeah. This – you know, Mike, uh, I, I I spent all weekend talking with uh, Keon Dooling uh, on the set of NBA TV here uh, in Atlanta about all these young players, and we we could not find a reasonable comparison for John Wall in terms of who did he remind you know remind us of that's either in the league now or maybe in the recent past. You know, and and I know we always get fall into that trap. Uh, covering the league of trying to say, well, this guy reminds me of such and such. Mm-hmm. Who, whose game does Wall, in the way he plays, remind you of? Like, who does he strike you as in terms of just the type of player he might be? You know, it's it's, it's tough to say. Uh, like you said, and I think if you if you look at the point guards in the league now, 
there really isn't anybody past or present that you could compare them to. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at Derrick Rose, I mean, who does he remind you of? No, that's a good, great point. We talked about Derrick Rose and the yeah. fact that it was he's like a combination of, of several players, and maybe Wall is a is that kind of guy as yeah. well. I mean, who, who's Rajon Rondo remind you of? Yeah. Every time you think of the current crop, Russell Westbrook. I mean, mm-hmm. who, who does he remind you of? I mean, these these, these this, this, there's a new generation of of really young, exciting point guards who all seem to be. Uh, convinced they're going to set their own identity in this league, and I think it's kind of refreshing. I mean, I think a lot of times it's, it's easy to say, "Oh, he reminds me of this guy, reminds me of that guy," and it's kind of lazy to kind of just compare somebody to somebody right off. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to just look at guys and say, "You know what? I've never seen anybody like him." <laughs> you know, and just really appreciate it for what it is. And I think that's that's what John Wall. I mean, when uh, when I talked to him initially in Chicago, and everyone say, "Who do you compare yourself to?" He always say, "I don't like comparing myself." You know, he said, "I guess." You say Derrick Rose, I guess you could say Rajon Rondo, I guess you could say, you know, he's naming off all the people that people have said he could remind them of, but he's always been focused on trying to set himself apart from everyone else. He he wants to establish himself as his own guy, and that's uh, and that that's something that for a 19-year-old to already have that sense. He's not trying to be anybody else. He wants to be John Wall, and he's Seems to be pretty secure in his skin, and to be that, to be at that point at that age, I mean, that's 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 pretty impressive. Yeah, that's definitely impressive. Uh, Mike, Mike, a heart, you know, uh, our, our super producer here at the Hangtime Podcast wanted to get in here too, so I'm gonna we'll make sure he gets his questions in. All right. Hey, Mike, I'm just wondering. We've been talking a lot the last couple of weeks on the podcast about the new structure of the East with the Heat and all the moves they've made and all that. If Gilbert, you know, and I realize it's a little bit of a crystal ball, but if he comes back and is healthy and is allowed to play, and Wall comes out gangbusters. Like, is there is this a playoff team? What like where do you see them in the uh, in the hierarchy of the East right now? You know, it's kind of hard to say um, because I, I really got to see how everything shapes up. Because you know, the Heat, of course, has established itself as a dominant team in the East, but at but it came at the expense of two two teams that were kind of going to be in the hunt. You know, Cleveland was the number one team in the East last two years. They're going to fall now. Toronto was a game out of the playoffs. They're they're likely going to fall now. Um, so the Wizards were at the bottom of the league. I think they've probably moved into maybe that ten eleven category. I think that it's really tough to say if they're a playoff team. I don't I don't see a playoff team right now because I don't know if they have enough offense to be a playoff team. I think they still need a, a score or someone else who can provide some uh, some scoring in, in the, either as a swing man or in the front court. I think they they still need some balance there. Uh, offensively um, and defensively, I think right now they're trying to establish a defense, a defensive mindset, and being a little bit tougher. Um, but it's tough to say that they're going to be a playoff team. I, they, they could be in the mix. I think Wall is special enough to maybe have them in the mix. But you know, it's it's tough because, like I said, everyone looks at Miami and says, "Oh, the East is so much stronger." The Bulls got better, of course. Um, the Celtics are always going to be in that hunt. Um, but you know, Orlando, of course, how could I forget them? Um, but you know, there were there were two teams that kind of fell off. Um, you know, in free agency as well. So it, it's kind of tough to say right now. But I think Wall, if, if Gilbert is there and he's healthy, they, they could definitely be in the mix. Mike, what's a what's a reasonable expectation for John Wall this season? I mean, are, are we talking rookie of the year um, on, uh, you know, maybe a season on, on par with what Tyreek Evans did last year in Sacramento or maybe something more than that based on the fact that he's going to be playing alongside a guy who was – you know, an elite level all star and one of the, the you know most mercurial players in the league. I mean, could we be in store for something more than just a rookie of the year season in terms of maybe that 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 crazy idea that these guys play through the roof and and, and make some playoff noise? Well, you know that's 
you know, I, I think he's definitely going to be, you know, a candidate for rookie of the year. Um, he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. I mean, that's the one thing that Flip Saunders has already told him, and he told him repeatedly during the uh, during tr- during summer league that you know I don't want the ball in anyone else's hands. I want it in your hands. So with that, he's going to have a lot of opportunities to score, to to get assists, to do a lot of things. He also going to have opportunities to get a lot of turnovers. You know, <laughs> to get knocked on his butt a lot. You know, so he he he's going to take you know like I said a lot of lumps in the process. But I think that given his, his flair, um, the fact that he's an exciting player, um, you know, the fact that he's got, you know, already a shoe company behind him in Reebok, they're mm-hmm. going to be promoting him. Uh, I think he's definitely in the running for rookie of the year. And, you know, there will be other guys in contention. Um, but I think that given the situation in Washington, the limited offensive options, um, the fact that he'll have the ball in his hands 90% of the time, he'll definitely be in the running. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting, man. You went from uh, – a- you know, an absolute debacle from a PR perspective, you know, covering that team at one point this season to getting that number one pick. And now I'm sure a breath of fresh air for you and a lot of other people in the in the D.C. area in terms of the Wizards, man. So we we appreciate you coming on, man. I'm just I'm sick to death knowing we won't be able to hang out in uh, Salt Lake City for summer league anymore now that everything is in Vegas. <laughs> I think I think we can find other things to do in Vegas that that, that far exceed what we can do in uh, Salt Lake City. All right, maybe you say so. I just I'm just saying we had some good times in uh, oh, Salt yeah. Lake. Oh yeah. Oh no doubt, no that's, doubt. I don't, don't want Salt Lake. That's right. We don't want to mislead anybody. We did we did a lot of work, but we had some good times too. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Lee from the Washington Post joined us here on the Hang Time Podcast. Michael Lee, we appreciate you, man. Hey, I always anything for you. Say cool, man. Appreciate it. All right, take care. All right. Moving on now with our our next and uh, most esteemed guest of the day because we don't want to shortchange the man himself, Art Garcia of NBA.com. Still in Las Vegas. I'm not even going to mention that to the bosses, Art, that you're still hanging in Vegas after all the games are done. Let's 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 move beyond that and just talk about basketball, man. How you doing? <laughs> so, are you telling me the bosses don't listen to the podcast? No, they, they'll listen to it. I'm just telling you. Well, ain't, I'm not sure when they'll listen to it. They might be on vacation. All right. I thought, you sold me. I thought you sold me out there for a second. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're good. You're good. By the time they hear it, you'll be back to work and everything will be good. All right. Well, uh, what do you guys want to know from a, a spectacular 10 days in Las Vegas? Man, you sound like you work for the Chamber of Commerce. I like that. <laughs> Listen, I, we talked hard about uh, John Wall with uh, Michael Lee of the Washington Post, but we definitely want to get some other perspective on some of these other guys. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins kind of dominated headlines for good and bad reasons, um, you know, with his performance out there. What I was impressed with what I saw from him. And then the, the times when he struggled, I kind of chalked it up to, you know, being the last couple of days of summer league, and nobody really wants to to be playing at that stage. So what did, what did you see out of Cousins that you either liked or didn't like? Yeah, you're right. I mean, he, he didn't finish well. Um, he did struggle, but they did play six games. That's a lot of games to play in a little over a week. Um when he was on, the guy did dominate. Uh, I was impressed by his his sheer size. Um, you know, he's not seven two, seven three, but he's just you know six ten, mm-hmm. strong, um, wide, thick. But he moves really well, mm-hmm. and uh, you can see that the skills are there. He's got a soft touch. Um, you know, he's a beast in the paint. Uh, you know, for the last couple of years, Sacramento's needed. So that interior presence and, and they've had, you know, sort of these jump shooting centers roll through there. And, mm-hmm. 
And, and I, I think Cousins is exactly what they need, a guy that you can put on the block. But, you know, he's 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 mobile. I mean, I just like his basketball skills. And, and uh, you know, he, he was really impressive out here. And, and I chalk up a couple of his struggles to – they played a lot of games, and, and there was obviously a target on his back being a high lottery pick. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's going to be a really, really nice fit there in Sacramento. Yeah. Did Did you get the feeling that he's, you know – wearing that stuff pretty heavy too, all of the the criticism he's been taking since the draft process started. I mean, is that something that, you know, come the middle of December, he's going to snap at somebody for asking about it again and again and again, you know, or or is he kind of letting this stuff roll off and, and just moving on? Well, I think he is tired of it, especially um, since he had to deal with it going up to the draft. He, he's dealt with it after the draft, and there was a lot of that stuff talked about uh, out here. Uh, I, you know, I think he's really looking forward to that first game and, and, and sort of putting that stuff behind him and getting off to a good start. But if, if he does struggle, you do see the tendency with him uh, to maybe pout a little bit out there when things aren't going well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you see the, the, the frustration in his face. So if he does have, you know, a stretch of bad games, which all rookies pretty much do have, uh, I, I think it's going to be telling how he deals with that and how he deals with, with the questions about, you know, uh, are you struggling? Is the game, you know, uh, more difficult than you thought? Should you have stayed at Kentucky another year? Right. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how he deals with all that um, uh, because, you know, frankly, he hasn't done it yet. And, and there are questions about this, his, his sort of his makeup. And those questions wouldn't be there unless there were issues in the past. I mean, it's not like these things have been made up right. by the media. So, uh, I mean, there, there's a maturity level that he has to get through, um, and, and probably a lot of the struggles that he'll face as a rookie will, you know, will, will be telling at that end. Yeah. Now, all right. There have been so many different guys that, that jumped out at me throughout the process, um, you know, certainly throughout the summer league uh, stretch. I thought this this guy Larry Sanders, who is go, is going to be a rookie in Milwaukee. I watched him play one time when he was in college with uh, Eric Maynard, and then I watched him again during some of these the summer league action. I'm impressed. I didn't realize that his skills would translate from that you know from the conference he played in in college to the NBA level so well. I mean he's he's an athletic long guy who blocks shots, who's able to you know step out on the floor and make shots. Were there a lot of different guys that jumped out at you, not just the, the big names that, that were impressive? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Sanders is, is one of those guys. Uh, you know, I, I was really impressed um, with McGee from Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, Javel, he, he kind of reminds me of what Anthony Randolph did last year at Summer League when he was just killing everybody. Now, it didn't translate for Randolph. We, we, all, we all thought that he was going to have a breakout season, and, and, of course, it was another disappointing season, and he gets shipped to – to New York, who, you know, coincidentally is really high on him and, and they hope that he can blossom. Um, you know, John Wall and McGee had this two-man game working and, and, and I was really, really impressed with uh, his athleticism and the way he was getting to the basket. Uh, you know, I didn't know what to think of, of Dominique Jones with, with the Mavericks, a, a four-year kid from South Florida. And, you know, frankly, I didn't and watch him play much in college. And, mm-hmm. and, and I was surprised by you know, the the maturity level in his game. I mean, he, the guy was getting to the basket. He was taking uh, challenges that were presented to him. 
Um, the game where they played against Washington, he stepped up and volunteered to cover John Wall um, from the tip. And to me, that was impressive. Uh, you, you know, it, it's you get out here at Summer League and, and you see some guys do some things and, and you, you have to put it all in perspective. You wonder if, um, you know, it's a level of competition. Obviously, there, there's a talent gap between, uh, you know, some of these lottery picks and their, their teammates and the guys they play against. Um, but if a guy does do well out here, you know, it's obviously better than him not doing well, <laughs> yeah. because if he's not doing well in summer league, you know, uh, you're, you're really, you know, uh, for instance, last season with the beat, the beat had a horrible summer league yeah. and he was a number two pick in the draft and you might want to chalk it up to, well, it's just summer league. Well, you know, he had a horrible season. <laughs> so yeah, some of the guys that, that came out here and, and did a nice job, it is the first step. I think to to the season and maybe getting your season off on the right foot. Well, I mean, you mentioned to beat. That's another guy I kept noticing during these games. He didn't have a particularly spectacular performance this year, did he? I mean, he no, still no. looked like he's you know a little behind the curve. I'm you know I'm worried too, Art, about you know how many years do you watch a guy in that realm in summer league and in preseason you realize maybe this is just not going to happen the way you expected it to. Cause I mean, to be got posterized the other night. Um, we, we were, we were sitting on the set laughing about it, thinking, man, to is out there and he still doesn't look like he gets it. I mean, how long do you wait for a guy like that? And, and usually you see the, uh, the difference from year one to year two, even for guys that don't have a, a strong rookie year, they come back to summer league and they have made an improvement, at least in summer league, you know, that they, they've been through the 82 games. They've been through the practices they should get it at that point. And now they come back to summer league sort of like Randolph did last year and, yeah. and dominate. Well, the beat should have done the same thing this year after an entire season in the league. And, and I know he spent some time in the D league, but with all those extra games in and just the fact that there aren't quality, quality big men right. in, in summer league to begin with, you know, he, he should have been dominating. I think he had one good game. He had sort of like a 2015 game once but other than that, I mean, he was basically invisible out here. And, and you want to, you don't want to give up on seven-footers, and you obviously don't want to give up on a guy drafted second. But, you know, he may be a guy that finishes out his rookie contract, and they're done with him. You know, yeah. uh, we saw what happened with Kwame Brown yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. I mean, Washington had no interest in bringing him back when his rookie deal was done. And, and – you know, you look at a lot of the pieces there in Memphis, that's a good young team, a good developing young team. If you had, if the beat was, you know, uh, above average center, imagine, you know, him and, and Zach Randolph and, and obviously Mark Gasol. That's a nice combination there. No, no but question. If, if you don't get anything out of the beat, you know, I, I wonder if a couple of years they want to move on. I, yeah, I mean, I, I threw something out on Twitter over the weekend just wondering, would he get the same kind of pass on the first part of his career that Darko Milicic got. And and somebody, uh, a former player, sent me a text message after I stuck that out there and said, hey, you know, you knock Darko all you want. He's like, but Darko at least had some fundamental skills that intrigued you. Um, and Keon Dooling said the same thing to me on the set. He said, if you watch Darko in a practice setting or that sort of thing, he has skills that intrigue you. And to beat, I'm, you know, a lot of people are reaching to find what it is about his game they like. Man, that's that's an interesting point. I, I, I you know, I, as much as we focus on the rookies in summer league, there's so many of these other guys who are maybe second and third year guys, or, or or even 
more experienced veterans just trying to find a team in, in the right situation. Um, did you see anybody that you thought this guy may have been out of the consciousness, consciousness for, you know, a year or two or a couple of years, and now he maybe has a chance to, to find a home or find a spot in the league somewhere? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know if I remember, and it just ended yesterday, <laughs> a guy that, you know, you usually see, uh, or not, I mean, usually at Summer League you'll see um, a guy that's been bouncing around and comes in, yeah, you're right, and, and kind of maybe resuscitates his career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there weren't really as many veterans as there have been in the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been a lot of a lot of years here where you'll see, um, you know, a veteran point guard or somebody that, that's just trying to make a team again, a guy that you say, hey, you know, this guy's been in the league for seven or eight years. Right. And you didn't see many of the older guys out here. I mean, J.R. Smith came out to play a couple games sort of right. as a rehab thing. But obviously, he, you know, he's got a spot with Denver. You know, I, I didn't see anybody out here looking to um, uh, to, to catch on, which, which maybe tells me that these guys are probably looking overseas at this point right. or, you know, their agents are probably ang- angling for, for training camp invites. Mm-hmm. But uh, this was basically the young guys out here, D-League kind of guys, obviously guys on the fringes of rosters that were trying to make a spot. Um, you know, nobody – I mean, Reggie Williams had a great summer league, but, you yeah, know, yeah. he's he's with, he's, with Golden with State. Golden State, yeah. Been in the D-League, I guess, too. The the, yeah. the only guy who just jumped out at me on, on uh, some of the clips I saw, and I – you know, until I saw him – Fly through the lane and, and dunk with two hands and hang on the rim was Gerald Green. I'd forgotten about it. You know, okay, he's bounced you know, around from team to team, and I didn't even know what he was doing. And then to see him in summer league just kind of joke. That's why I asked you the question. It just kind of surprised me to see him in summer league. Yeah, that's that's probably a good name. He is, you know, he was a a first round pick by Boston, and then I think went through Minnesota, Houston, Dallas. Um, I know in the past teams have been really high on his athleticism because he has the tools, but what he's always lacked is, is sort of the understanding of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, he did say early in summer league that, uh, he feels like he gets it now. He's had to go overseas. He's been humbled a bit, but you know, six, seven swing men are pretty much a dime a dozen. And if, if you don't sort of hook on early in your career, you know, by the time you're, you know, five, six years removed, yeah. you know, teams are going to go with younger guys that have upside. And, and uh, you know, he was with the Lakers. And, and obviously there's not a spot with the Lakers at, right. you know, that 2-3. So, uh, I don't know. Gerald Green was a good name. But I, I don't know if I can see him in the league next year. Maybe with one of the, the lottery sort of teams. Maybe mm-hmm. he gets another shot at a minimum deal. And, and that's another thing that we see a lot now is just, these minimum deals thrown around, and he might be a guy that that fits into that category. Yeah. Well, um, as much of the action that that you paid attention to on the floor, I'm, I've been to enough summer league uh, tournaments to know all the activity going on in the stands. Uh, you know, probably trumps you know some of what you see on the floor. Normally, I would imagine the conversation would have been about the games and the the you know rookies and who looked good and who didn't. What was the conversation in the stands this time around? Was it more about what's the free agency and the moves that were made and, and how the, the landscape of the league kind of shifted, obviously, with with uh, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh joining forces in Miami, or was it more centered on the players and the games? I mean, because I would imagine 
there was a pretty good balance of, of, of chatter about both things. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think you're completely right there. That early on, there was a you know, summer league started basically with the the day after the the decision. And, <laughs> I, like, and that, I like when you refer to it as the decision. I mean, twenty it, years from now, you're going to be calling it the decision. And if you can see me right now, I'm doing the little quote thing with my fingers, <laughs> um, air quotes. But uh, so that dominated at, at first. There were a lot of coaches and executives that were talking about that. Yeah, I, I do think that they, the focus down here was wasn't so much what was going on on the court since you didn't see those standout performances by you, you know a guy that that you can sign. Mm-hmm. Most of the guys that played well are already under control from other teams. Um, it, it was a lot about free agency and. And, and and trades and that sort of thing. And I talked to a lot of coaches and GMs this week that were, you know, basically trying to justify what they did um, this summer. You know, Mike D'Antoni was saying that, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a disappointing summer for us. You know, I asked him, hey, you guys went in there trying to get, you know, two, three free agents, big name guys, and you end up with Amari. And, and he said, well, it wasn't disappointing. We like where we sit in the future. Uh, you know, uh, Daryl Morey in Houston was – you know, adamant. Yeah, we didn't get Chris Bosh, but uh, we kept our guys. You know, we like the way we're going forward. You know, they add Brad Miller. A, a lot of teams were basically just trying to say that we're on the right track with with uh, what we're doing here. And and um, you know, so it, it wasn't so much focused on the game. It was basically, fo- you know, I think a lot of organizations were talking, teams were talking to each other yeah. about potential trades right. and, and things that can happen. Maybe not before the season, but up to the trade deadline. So from that standpoint, um, yeah, there was a lot of that going on for the last 10 days. Absolutely. Well, listen, impressive as always, just the wealth of knowledge. I know you cover the league from coast to coast for NBA.com. Our Garcia, maybe even more impressive this time, Micah, though, is how he kept the casino floor noise. Nothing in the background. (laughs) I don't know what kind of cell phone you got, Art. But I, I need one the next time I go to Vegas because, like the slogan says, right, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Yes, and, and I was wondering, were you using the air quotes when you said wealth of knowledge? <laughs> I use the air quotes often. You have no idea how many times. When I, when I said best in the business or whatever when I introduced you, I said <laughs> air quotes, but you didn't see those. So I Listen, man, buddy, I'm, I'm clowning you, but, you know, we, we, uh, we appreciate you so much here at the Hang Time Podcast. Next time you uh, get five minutes of free time, which will be never, you need to come to Atlanta and sit in the studio with us and hang out for a little while. I I, I am there. What happens in Atlanta stays in Atlanta. I like that. Art Garcia of NBA.com, I guess. We appreciate you. Thanks, Ben. Kicking in with a little something new this week on the podcast. We're going to start taking your Skype calls at least one a week to make sure we're connecting with the fans out there. Right now we got our friend Ramel calling in in Germany via New York. Ramel, how you doing, man? What's going on? I'm good. I'm good, guys. What's going on, man? Good, good, man. You got a question for us this week on the podcast? Uh, yeah, I got a question. Um, I'm a Bulls fan. You know, I've always been a Bulls fan, and I just wanted to know who was, like, the, the best available, you know, uh, free agents on the market, you know? Well, that's, that's a good question. It really depends on what position you're looking for. Um, you know, the Bulls obviously could use – some shooting guard help. They tried to get uh, J.J. Redick away from Orlando. The Magic matched that offer sheet. They got Kyle Korver. Now you're talking about basically a real thin crop of 
of, you know, role players and not stars, which is what the Bulls needed. So I can imagine they're not going to take that plunge with a shooting guard that's left on the free agent market. Matt Barnes could be an option if he hasn't signed anywhere yet. And and as of right now, he's still kind of out there. Cleveland is interested in some others. Um, But as far as shooting guard options for the Bulls, I think they're probably pretty set. Okay, okay. Uh, Well, listen, man, we appreciate you joining us, Romel, and all the way from Germany. Make sure you listen to the show now. Right, yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. All right, we appreciate it. All right. Well, you can't do it any better than that. Michael Lee from the Washington Post joining us. Art Garcia from NBA.com talking about rookies, free agency, the season, everything that's happening. Then we did our first ever Skype call of the week on the Hang Time Podcast. Shout out to Ramel from Germany, you know, by way of New York. I think you can tell the New York accent in his voice. We appreciate him as well. Micah, Clint, Tori. It's all over. We're like Summer League right now. We got to get out of here. But next week, back at you on the Hang Time Podcast. Lang Whitaker, our co-host from Slam Magazine, will be joining us as well, along with some special guests. Do not miss it. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.